Barry, you made it, says a now familiar voice that seems to come out of nowhere. I jump, turn, and look downward. A hunched-back crone with flaming red and orange-streaked hair stands behind me. Either she's light on her feet or a magician in her spare time. Her hairdo's combed upwards, like a troll doll, lifting her height to nearly five feet. The woman sure likes orange. It's also the color of the leggings below her blue oversized Broncos t-shirt. She holds out her hand. Marjorie! We shake, and electricity surges up my arm. When I stumble backward, she lets go. A crooked smile turns up one side of her puckered mouth, and she winks. You find the warehouse okay? Her breath packs a punch that smells like raw hamburger rotting in an ashtray. With eyes popped wide from lingering electricity, I nod my head. She points toward the table and leaves me standing in the middle of the lobby. I follow, stroking my vibrating knuckles. At the table, a chair slides out and hits my knee. I pause. The last half hour replays in my head. A strange van, an unexplained phone call, and now the furniture moves on its own. I should have followed my first instinct. I should have gone home. I peer across the table to tell her I'm leaving. Marjorie's charcoal eyeliner spirals around a bloodshot gaze. She draws me in like a tractor beam. In a slow, hypnotic hum, she says, Have a seat. I flop into the chair, but not of my own free will. Set in front of me is a high-foot stack of paper that wasn't there a few seconds ago. I open my mouth to ask about it. Marjorie shushes me and reaches for the remnant of the still-smoldering cigarette in the ashtray. She holds it between her thumb and index finger, places it between pursed lips, and inhales deeply. The cigarette crackles and snaps until it fires against her skin. When there's no more smoke to draw in, she drops the butt into the ashtray and tamps her thumb down on the red-hot tip. The aroma of tobacco mixed with burning flesh fills the air. Before you can work for us, she pauses to lick ash off her blackened fingertips with a serpent-like tongue. You must agree to a few employment terms and sign our standard contract. All our drivers sign one. Bile rises to the back of my throat. I swallow hard and point at the tall stack of paper. The contract seems excessive. What's in it? Not that I'm going to sign it. She falls back into her chair, lifts her arm, and a newly lit cigarette appears out of nowhere. Top copy salary, 55 an hour plus time and a half overtime. There's other standard stuff for liability and such. She flips her hand as if the latter part is unimportant. My eyes open wide at the thought of making more an hour than any job I've ever landed. But I don't like that this lady can make me sit like a trained dog. I slide my chair back, ready to get up and leave, and at the same time wonder what sort of liabilities require that much documentation. 
Driving for us or any courier service can be dangerous, among other things, she says, as if she heard my thoughts. Are you talking about accidents? Are these like insurance forms? Sure. She picks up the pen and holds it out. Like insurance forms. I rub the back of my neck and watch her wave the pen like a pendulum. So, if anything happens to me, I'll be taken care of? Yeah, honey, we'll take care of you. That creepy grin curls up one side of her mouth again. As much as I'd like to get the hell out of here, this job's salary will keep me independent. Not to mention, buy me a new computer. Hell, I would sell my soul rather than move back in with my mother. My chair slides back up to the table with no effort from me. Right there at the bottom, she says. <laughs>